2: Terms and conditions apply. And now, your main event. Introducing the hosts of Wrestling with Freddy, Jeff Dye and Freddie Prince Jr.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling with Freddie. Today, just Freddie. Mr. Jeff Dye is working, we wish him congratulations. And uh, you're stuck with me today, but we got a lot of talk about, including news, some sad, some good, but it's all gonna start right here, right now, on Wrestling With Freddie. All right, you guys, we're gonna start with the sad news. We heard of the unfortunate passing of Jay Briscoe from Ring of Honor Wrestling, and I offer his family nothing but uh, but healing and and peace and happiness. Cody Rhodes has announced his return to WWE after arguably the best story of the year in wrestling, although it wasn't scripted that way because the man's pectoral muscle ripped off the bone and he wrestled anyway because he knew he was having surgery and had a steel cage match with a torn pec and he's been out. They said the doctor said he'd be out nine months But he's back in like four, because he's the man. And uh, he has entered into the Royal Rumble. Um, The Bellas have been accused of pulling out of the Raw 30th celebration. Um, And because of that, we didn't have much of a women's revolution represented on the show, but we did have a little. I would say the Bellas would refute that As they had press events, and I know this because my wife was in New York doing press, and they were doing all the same shows she was doing. For my wife's new show coming out, Wolfpack, y'all better tune in, recognize. And then finally, on the topic of Raw 30, and all the great Monday Night Raws there are, I was hurt. And we're going to have a little story time with Uncle Freddy, so that you can understand the pain that I felt when watching the opening intro, after Hulk Hogan, and the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. They came out, and the microphone didn't like Hulk Hogan. He said some things in the past that I think the microphone took issue with, so it muted him a couple times. They brought the the Hulkster a new mic, and the crowd loved it. This was Philadelphia. This is a heel city, and they showed out tonight. It was very anti-philly, but I think because it was a celebration show and Raw kind of let the crowd in, especially with the DX segment, that Philly was like, all right, if you're gonna let us in, we're not gonna crucify everyone who walks out there. So Hogan makes his his speech and we go to this this like montage of all the great moments on Monday Night Raw. You guys know what they are. probably the best one ever, or at least my favorite one in in memory. And you guys can dispute this, but it's the uh the Shelton Benjamin Shawn Michaels Monday Night Raw match that should have been like a WrestleMania match. It was so insane. And like the greatest super kick ever delivered or received. So that's my favorite raw moment. But more importantly, far more importantly than a Hall of Famer and soon to be Hall of Famer, you guys remember I hosted Monday Night Raw, correct? I mean this is this is public knowledge. It was on the air, right? They didn't not air it. It was live. After the first time I left the company Brian, here's the story, it's story. It's story time with Uncle Freddy. We pay for big time jingles on this show. I get a call from Brian Gewurtz and he says, hey man, would you like to host, be like the, the celebrity GM for Monday Night Raw? Now, a lot of people had done it at this point. I think Meat Loaf had done it once and took the worst RKO in the history of the RKO. You should look it up on YouTube. It's nothing on his body bends, so it's just terrible. I felt so bad for the guy. Dr. Ken, who was at AEW with us last week, and Jeremy Piven, I believe, hosted one, and were the celebrity GM. Friend of the show, friend of mine, Mr. Seth Green, creator of Robot Chicken. You can still check it out on Cartoon Network. It's awesome. So this wasn't a new thing. And we always said, if I could help get someone over, that would be cool. But he said, hey, we want you to do something with Randy. I said, Randy, he's way more over than pretty much everyone. You don't need me for that. And he said, no, Vince asked because Randy's, they're cheering him. And he wants to keep him a heel. And we got, and they're trying to make him a baby face. The crowd was just loving his work so much. Even his promos, which he's much better at now than he was then, but he was still just in a zone and and crushing it. The crowd was loving him, and they were hating John Cena. This was like prime time. If Cena wins, we riot signs, and you jerks didn't riot once. No, no guts, not a one of you. I'm like, man, I don't know, dude. They, they hate celebrities in the ring, man. They cheer when, they cheer when when Seth got kicked in the guts by the bad guy. He goes, yeah, but they love you, man, because they know you worked here. And I'm like, I get what you're selling, but you're selling me something like you're cause you know, it's thin and it's coming from Vince, not you. And he's like, man, it would just, it would really help. So I go, dude, write it, send it to me. We'll make it work. And he goes, all right. I go, what city am I going to? He goes, well, we're thinking about for uh, the Raw in St. Louis and I spit out my water. Okay. Like, like full spit take like that. What? And he doesn't say anything because he knows. I go, that's his hometown, you jerk. They're going to cheer louder than they've ever cheered this whole run. I think it was his title run. One of many. And he's kind of laughing. He goes, I know, man, but we're going to make it. We're going to make you like super face so that when he comes out, they're going to they're going to hate him. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, we're just going to have fun no matter what happens. Screw it. Let's go. And uh, so I fly out there and Macaulay. A uh, friend of the show, former guest of the show, Macaulay Culkin. He said, uh, "Hey man, let me uh, cruise out there with you to the show. I want to. I want to see the show. I'll hang it backstage." I said, "Oh man, I would love for you to." So he came. A couple other people came too. I can't remember our whole group. I don't know if Kieran did or not. I think it was Mac and someone. You guys don't care. I'll shut up. So anyway, we get there and they. Everyone sees Mac. Right? Is nobody gives a shit about me anymore? They all are just like fawning over Macaulay. Everybody loves Mac because he's the man, dude. I fawn over Mac all the time. I'd lie in court for that bastard. We're all kind of like hanging out backstage and the inevitable happens. They go, do will you please do a, a backstage sketch with us? And he's like, Yeah, I don't care, sure, whatever. So they pitch the paint can scene from Home Alone and Will you I think it was Chavo. Will you hit Chavo with a paint can? And he goes, I personally won't, but if you want to rig it so it looks like the trap. And they're like, yeah, that would be great. He's like, yeah, sure. And so they do this little bit and he cuts a line on Chavo after like he gets KO'd. I don't remember the storyline, but you can YouTube it. It's, it's there in all its glory. And then Mac just no-sells him and he goes, yeah, that wasn't funny. And he just walks off um, and the crowd pops a little bit and everybody's happy.
2: If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24 7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tudor Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tudor shows wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum41, 30 Seconds from Mars. Oh, and Two-Door Cinema Club.
3: The story they have for me when I get there on the Sunday night is I'm GM and I'm gonna give the people in Randy's hometown a title match. Randy Orton, the WWE champion. This is pre-Universal championship. That's gonna make everybody happy. So it's thin, right? The ice is thin. I feel it cracking, but I'm trying I'm gonna try to do the polar bear move where they just belly out and just kind of like scooch. If you can see on video right now, I'm like physically doing the little polar bear scooch across the ice so I don't drown. But it's thin. And so he's like, You're gonna, we're gonna pander to the crowd, but in an old school way, what do you think about the ice cream, the old WWE ice cream? So I'm like, Yeah, man, let's just let's just freaking go for it. But they're not gonna, they're not gonna boo him. And he's like, well, whatever. It's like, so he even kind of knows. And so he writes this out and I, I ask if I can tweak a few things. And, and he's like, yeah, of course, Brian's the man. He's super cool. And uh, so, I, you know, tweak a line here, tweak a line there. We talk about a couple opportunities to like interact with the crowd. It's very regimented there. They really want to know what you're doing so that they don't miss shots. And then you watch the live edits and you're like, man, y'all missed a lot of shots. So <laughs> not all the time. They've been, They've been better lately. I'm looking at this promo and I see the part where Randy comes out and we go back and forth and Randy's like, I'm not wrestling for you or anyone, not here, not tonight. And I'm like, oh yeah? You think I'm going to let you come out here and disappoint all these people? You son of a bitch, you are wrestling. He's just, I'm not. Oh yes, you are. And so I walk off, right? I'm GM, bro. You do what I say. When I say it, how I say it. And I walk off. I just leave him there to stew in his own Viper juices. And instead of getting away, he he coat hangers me, right? He snatches me by the collar and he's got the mean look on his face. And instead of doing an RKO, which is what everyone else took, I didn't want to do what everyone else took. And Randy, they were asking him like what other moves he would be comfortable doing to like a novice, right? And he said, I'll do the modified, the modified backbreaker to him. And so I'm hyped. I'm like, yeah, man, do any move you want. (laughs) I'm just here to get beat up and laughed at. So I, we go out there, we rehearse it, and he's super cool and he takes care of me. And then when we do it live, he grabs me, puts me in this like reverse choke, bends me over his back, which is like a dining room table, and then drops down on his knees and my back's supposed to go, bah, and I bounce off his back. Oh, my back. Oh, you son of a bitch. I messed it up a little bit and didn't get both feet up. And so it felt a little a little bit stiff but it was on me it wasn't on Randy he told me what to do I just, in the moment I forgot I was super excited and um so I'm now I'm down on the ground ah oh, my back oh God why why and I hear the crowd screaming and it's it's what I don't want them to scream They're, yeah yeah, kill him. Kick his ass. Kick his ass. And I'm sitting there like, son of a bitch. And the ref grabs my hand and he says, you know, squeeze my hand if, if you're okay. And he's kind of covering my face. And I squeeze his hand. I'm like, dude, they freaking love it. And he goes, ah, what are you going to do, man? And uh, they kind of help me out. And then they go to commercial. And then later in the show, I think Randy's out there again. And I come out. And even though my back hurts, I'm pissed. I go, you're still having that match, you bastard. And he's looking at me like, Psh, get in my ring again, see what I do to you, scrub. You look like meatloaf when I'm done with you. The literal and the figurative meatloaf. I couldn't believe they wrote that line either. And I'm like, oh yeah, you bastard. Think I'm, You think I'm going out like that? I'm not. I, by the way, my character is such a punk in this whole thing. I should have said no to all this. <laughs> I go, instead of going out there and like giving him one, like, here's a smack for you. Bow, bow, bow. Take the left hook. I go now you're having a match, but it's a lumberjack match. So I just get all the big guys to get my back, and they come out and uh, he has to wrestle, you know, this guy in a lumberjack matches if you get thrown out of the ring, all of the lumberjacks or other wrestlers can have their way with you on their on their way to throwing you back into the ring. Um, so basically, they beat the hell out of you when you're outside of the ring, and then when they're tired and, gassed out they just toss you back in and let your opponent beat you up some more so that was the main event match and i wish i could have done something more special but i loved who i got to work with that was a blessing like to get to be in the ring with randy orton is it that's a gift if you're a wrestling fan you guys out there know what i'm talking about each and every one of you would love love that you'd be like yeah man Pump me in the head. (laughs) That'd be an amazing experience that I'll remember forever and cherish in my heart. So for that, it was great. But I always wished like when I was younger that I would have approached them and said, Hey, is there a way that Freddie could answer Freddie? Like the character could answer what Randy did. But in my head, it was always like, man, he's so much bigger that it's just a, BS story, man. And every I wouldn't win. I I I in every scenario I had, I always lose the story because that's the right thing to do. The celebrities should should lose. They're not professional wrestlers. I don't like when the when the celebrities win, except when Arnold B slap Triple H, and Triple H almost did like a backflip at two hundred sixty five pounds. He sold it so sweet, and uh, that's Arnold should always win. But most of the time, man, like if it, especially if it's a match, I always think the the celebrity should lose the match. That's, the to me, the proper and right thing to do. But yeah, of course, to Randy, I would lose. So it was like, why would it even be a story? And if it was, I'd have to have like, it'd be more like a managerial role to have someone believable that could take my revenge for me. And it's like that, man, that's like 87. Nobody wants to see that now. So I never followed through on it. And now I'm 47, 46. I'm 46 years. Sorry. When you get this age, you will gladly forget as well. But that's, uh, that's story time. Story time with Uncle Freddy. Anyway, we won't spend too much time talking about the show because there were only three matches the whole night. Freaking 18 hour show. But Philly was cool. So shout out to everyone from that town. Shout out to everyone that was in that arena for making that show extra special. But there was some great stuff. And one of the great things was the Samoan courthouse drama. And I don't know if you've seen the Samoan courthouse drama, but it's good, man. It's like, you thought Law & Order was good? Yeah, yeah, okay. Paul Heyman has taken issue with Sami Zayn and some of the choices he's made while being a hopeful member to becoming an honorary oos, to becoming a full-blown oos, let me say this first. I wish this would have felt more like actual wrestlers court. Like the stories, all the nerd wrestling fans, they call them marks. I don't even know what that means, but they're just nerds. Like a star Wars nerd, video game, nerd, wrestling, nerd, MMA nerd. So we're all just nerds, but um they know what that term means marks, but it's just like, it's just like the hardcore fans. Like they'll, they'll know they'll know what that reference is. Heyman's going in on him and he's showing video evidence of Sammy Zayn putting the spotlight on himself. And Sammy Zayn's just sitting back like, I, I don't even know. He almost grabbed the microphone, left it there, scooted back. And he's just looking at Heyman like, dude, why are you burying me like this? And Heyman shows more exhibits. And Paul really... Overdoes it this time with the prosecution. He's like, he's trying to take the leadership of the of the, of the family. He wants to be the head of the table. He wants to be the head of the table. That's more Paul Heyman. He sounds more like a Hogwarts character if it was in America. And he keeps going in on him. And Sammy doesn't know what to say. They give him his opportunity to speak up and defend himself. He's that defendant in court that's like, I would like to defend myself and lose this case. And he gets up there and instead of defending himself, he's looking at Paul Heyman like, dude, I actually thought you were the wise man, but you've just been making moves on me this whole time, like trying to cut my throat like this. Like, I don't even know what to say. And I planned some, this part he did say, he goes, I planned something. But after hearing what you said, I, I don't, I have nothing to say. The sacrificial lamb, the selfless human That is Sami Zayn, sits down, ready to accept his fate. Roman Reigns gets up. You know, the crowd doesn't want Sami to be guilty. The crowd loves Sami Zayn. But Roman's not interested in what the crowd thinks. He goes, is that it? I can't do a Roman Reigns voice. Is that it? That's your defense? Nothing. You've got nothing. I give you this opportunity. I give you this opera. You disrespect me by doing this solo. Now, for those who know, Solo's the man, solo Sokoa. He's the Uso's brother's real little brother. And uh, for those of you who didn't know, the Uso's are real brothers too. Um, and but he's the muscle in this group. He's bigger than both his brothers. He looks meaner than Roman. He's not as like handsome as Roman, right? He looks more like a street fighter, which is how they sell him. And Roman's not showing any mercy. And here it comes, but it doesn't connect because Jay freaking Uso, and we talked about this on the podcast maybe like a month and a half ago, Jay Uso, the one who has hated Sammy more than anyone in the bloodline, whose respect he's had to earn or whose respect it took longest to earn out of everyone in the bloodline, catches Solo's arm in his own arm, his younger brother's arm. And everybody goes quiet, everybody. And Roman's eyes are, go wide and they're staring at Jay. And Jay's like, nah, dog, it's not going down. Or he says, Oos, nah, oohs, it's not going down like that. Jay says, nah, oohs, no disrespect. But I've got some defense exhibits I'd like to show as well. And he becomes a lawyer in this moment, even though he has no law degree whatsoever. And he presents his defense. He randomly has videos cut together as well. And they're showing the selflessness of Sami Zayn time after time. And Paul Heyman's sitting there shocked. Roman Reigns stands up. And the crowd's like, no, 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 come on, man, not guilty. And he looks him dead in the eye and he says, I find you not guilty. (laughs) Philadelphia loves it. For now. Oh. So the tension's still there. And then he says, I don't want to see your face after tonight until Saturday, which is the Royal Rumble, everybody, this Saturday. Not a Sunday pay-per-view, Saturday. So don't screw up like I have in the past and have to watch a replay. He said, I don't want to see you after tonight, but you still have a chance to prove your loyalty. He doesn't even want to see him on SmackDown or NXT, nothing, I don't think. And Sammy's like, cool. And the show starts
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
3: We're not going to analyze every single match, but we will get into this one. So in come the Judgment Day. Damien Priest comes out. We like Damien Priest, although Judgment Day is not doing it for me right now. And they come out, and they're going to have their team go in there. And, I, and it's going to be Damien Priest and Dominic Mysterio versus... Our guys, the Usos, the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history. The longest. This is my favorite of the week by far. Not the match, not the courtroom segment. Just that one moment on the ramp. Okay, okay, we got an Uso down, but I'm an Uso too. Let me get in there and go. And the whole crowd's like, yeah, let have get in there and go, Philly. They hate everyone. And they love Sammy Uso, maybe even more than me, if that's possible. And it made this whole segment awesome. Like the way the crap, it was straight out of a Rocky movie. Like it was awesome. And I loved it. If you're looking at it logistically, you probably hate it. Cause how is that legal to just put a fresh guy into a match where everyone else is tired? But maybe it's you just bracket up to champion's advantage, right? So my love affair with LA Night continues. He talks smack to you. You love it. You eat it up. Not at the MJF level, but you eat it up. He could call you an incel and you'd still like it. He's got that voice. It's like if The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin had a had a baby. And he instead of the hell yeah, he just goes, yeah, and just leaves it out there for you to decide what it means. And he's cutting a promo, selling his match against Bray Wyatt which is at the Royal Rumble this Saturday. Not Sunday, once again. Don't forget, Saturday, not Sunday. And he's talking smack, and it's a simple promo, but it's LA night, and he's able to get his personality over so he can make you know a promo that's a five, a seven. But the promo wasn't about him tonight, and he knew that. Because whose music cute, The Undertaker. And out comes the American Badass, also known as, a.k.a. The Undertaker, and he comes out on the Harley, blah, 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 cruises down successfully, unlike Hulk Hogan when he tried years ago. Scrub. Can't even ride a bike.
2: Scrub.
3: And uh he pulls down there. And LA Knight's like out. He gets out of the ring. I don't even they don't even have a shot of him leaving the ring. He's just like, oh, let me bow down to the king real quick. So he gets out of the ring. Taker gets in there. LA Knight starts talking. And he's even talking some smack to the Undertaker. And then he's like, you know, I could give you a whooping, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. He starts backing out. And then, boom, here comes Bray Wise Music. And Bray scares him with the lantern, like, right behind him. And now it's dark and creepy. And L.A. and I can't believe they have him doing this and selling like this. And he's a grown-ass man. And he's selling, walking backwards, scared to death. And then he gets into the ring. He gets scared into the ring. they It's like they've cornered the the tiger, right? And now he's in the ring with with the dead man. And as they say in the wrestling business and on dirt sheets everywhere, Taker gets him with the goozle. Michael Freebird would go, the goozle. And that's just when he grabs you by the throat and he's going to choke slam you. Bray Wyatt gets in the ring. They have this like eye contact moment. And then Bray kind of is like, let me handle this one. Taker. American badass Taker. And he grabs him and gives him the sister, Abigail. And that's kind of the end of the segment. Now, look, I, I like everyone in the segment. Is just, you know, they're making LA Knight do too much. They're putting too much responsibility on a ridiculous concept on his shoulders. If you're going to pitch supernatural, the onus has to be on the one that's supernatural and then you allow LA Knight to react. But when it starts with an LA Knight promo as often as it does, you're putting all the onus on him to paint a picture of a world that his character's not even supposed to believe in and make it believable. So it just sometimes they they shoot themselves in the foot with that and that's kind of how I felt on this. But let's get to a segment that did work because here was dx and they were short a member mind you they they didn't have they didn't have billy Gunn, but they're out there triple h looks exactly the same he he looks younger than all of them practically he looks super buff tan as always jack not just buff but like jack you could tell like he looks in great shape man and uh road dog comes in there I'm not trying to be mean, but the first thought in my head was looking the exact opposite of Triple H. So he comes out looking, you know, older than the rest of the group. But maybe he is. I don't I don't know. X-Pac comes out and he looks awesome. He looks, exa- he looks exactly the same almost. We get a special surprise and a DX hopeful. We get Kurt Angle comes out. And no, he does not suck. And they're doing their DX thing. And Kurt Angle pitches himself. He's like, hey, you know what? I always I always wanted. I always wanted to be a member of DX. And he takes off his jacket or his shirt or whatever. He's got a DX shirt on, man. It's like, it's like the bloodline storyline part two. And DX can't believe it, man. But he's got to prove himself. He has to prove himself. Before any ideas can get pitched on how Imperium. Their weird, creepy music hits, that beautiful uh, Jumbotron background that's just like blinding angel heaven white. And then the evil silver Imperium letters come up. I love that entrance, by the way. They come out and they're not having it. DX is through, man. Their time is done. They're old. Imperium's here now and they're young and they're badass. And DX isn't having it, at least not the fight. Because then Imperium challenges, says, Now get out of here unless one of you has the 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 guts to fight me. To fight any of us. And Triple H is like, uh I I I'm retired. I I didn't even come here to fight. And Road Dog's like, Yeah, yeah, I ain't even gonna say anything. And Shawn Michaels, they want the super kick. And he you see Shawn Michaels even think about it. They all did something different here, which was nice. And he's like, Will will I, will I? I'm not gonna. And Xbox like, nah, man, I'm not messing with any of that. And then they all look to Kurt and they all look back together and they huddle up. And then Triple H turns around and he goes, hey, Kurt will fight you. And Kurt's like, what? I'm not trying. What are you doing? And so they have their funny like DX old school moment. I actually really enjoyed this segment. I thought it was funny. The last time they did the DX thing, I wasn't that into it. So I didn't spend much time talking about it. It just didn't feel as irreverent as this one did and i just like this way way more it seemed like everybody had fun so yeah so there you go so that was the the dx segment and i honestly like i was real the last one was just like if it's a one to ten on dx stuff 10 being the height of dx so we can't hit that so the goal should be seven or eight put this at a seven like that's it's an easy seven whereas the last one was more like a three or a four um, but I really enjoyed the segment and the match was fun too because they showed they showed the old dog some love. We'll wrap up with uh The Miz. The Miz came out there and and like me, didn't really get the representation that I felt he deserved. That we both deserved, really. I mean, I probably deserve it a little bit more, but not much. I love The Miz, he's awesome. But he was acting a little spoiled. And Kevin Owens wasn't having it. And he comes out and the crowd starts cheering. But he didn't come out the ramp. He's coming through the crowd. And the Miz's back is to him. So he just hears the crowd screaming. He's like, yeah, yes, sir, you should cheer. That's right. It's about time, finally. And he keeps doing this till Kevin can get in the ring. And then he goes, I deserve my Monday Night Raw moment. And the look on Kevin Owens, remember, I don't get the dialogue right. I just tell you the thought in their head. The thought in Kevin's head that he was communicating is, yeah, you're going to get your moment right now, you son of a bitch. Boom, turn around, kick in the gut, stunner, blah, 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 blah. The Miz goes up, lays down unconscious, still holding the microphone perfectly for Kevin Owens to circle around, pick it up, and then cut the ultimate baby face, badass promo. But here's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of Bret Hart when he cut the promo on Shawn Michaels for the Playboy thing, when he's like, these people should have a champion they can be proud of. They should have a champion that shows the type of respect. That was the kind of vibe that it was in. I was like, man, it's like, I don't know if he was doing this consciously or if it's just my affection for Bret Hart and all things Bret Hart. I'm listening to this program like, man, it's so Bret Hart, man. I love this Kevin Owens. And it was great. Super baby face. Like I said, very vanilla ice cream, but he still brought what he brings to it. And that's what makes Kevin Owens special. That's what makes him uh, unique. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I think we have Jeff back next week, unless he's a big movie star and it's, you know, too big too big to come back, like The Rock and John Cena. They don't want to come back. Neither does Jeff. But I appreciate you all coming back. I sounded like Jackie Chan in in Rush Hour. You all. I appreciate you all coming back every single week. Uh, I'll be here next week, no matter what, to talk all things wrestling, and we'll get into everything. And because I promised on the We Take Your Calls episodes, I will watch an episode of TNA. I will do an honest review, but just remember, I'm a ref snitch. And if you're distracted, even in the slightest by a manager, a tag team partner, the crowd, I will call you on that, on this program right away. Know that. This is Wrestling With Freddie
2: us on Instagram, Wrestling with Freddie. Twitter is wwfreddypod. Follow us on all the socials so you can submit your questions for the Federation.
3: This has been a production of iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting